folks. This is your host, Tammy Turner, and you are now listening to the Tierra Talk Show. We bring you rare interviews with the makers of Disney magic. Whether they be singers, actors, imagineers, animators, they've all made their mark on the Disney name. To find out more about the show and other episodes, head to our official website at www.thetierratalkshow.com. Be sure to look below at the show notes in the show more section for links to our Twitter and Facebook pages, including videos and websites mentioned in the following interview. Photos and audio clips that are featured in the show belong to their rightful owners and are used for educational purposes only. All guests' opinions are theirs and theirs alone and do not represent the opinions of the Tierra Talk Show or the host. The Tierra Talk Show is not associated with the Disney Company. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's episode. And from all of us here at the Tierra Talk Show, have a hoop-de-doo day. I'd like to welcome Mindy Johnson to the Tierra Talk Show. Welcome, Mindy. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. Great to be here. Absolutely. So, like, first let me congratulate you on the publication of Tinkerbell and Evolution. It is a beautiful book. I am, I I was reading it all week. It was great. (laughs) Oh, wonderful. Well, thank you so much. A lot of terrific people jumped in and and helped to make it as the treasure that it is. So thank you so much. Yeah, it looks like it required a lot of hard work. And, and as most of us know, there are thousands of characters that are a part of the Disney family and Disney company. Um, but I was wondering, what was your personal inspiration to write specifically about Tinkerbell herself? Well, I've always been a fan, of course. Who isn't? But um, this began a, a number of years ago um, when I was doing some early research on Peter Pan with the Animation Research Library. And one of the researchers, Anne Hansen, handed me a binder um, filled with all these just beautiful, stunning, vibrant uh, images of fairies. But they didn't quite know why or what they involved and, and why there were different ones and if they were Tinkerbells or not Tinkerbells. There was no explanation. So the, the mystery, of course, hooked me. And... Um, through a number of years and twists and turns, we got it answered, and, and it's now all there in the book before you. So just a fascinating journey. And I think she's an extraordinary character, so she was a lot of fun to explore. And she doesn't even talk, and, and she's very popular. She's one of the second biggest Disney characters next to Mickey Mouse, too. So <laughs> mm-hmm. girl power. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and you know, in, in Walt's original Peter Pan, you're right, she doesn't speak. Of course, now we were able to explore her world in Pixie Hollow, and, and uh, through the magic of technology and pixie dust, I think we can, we're able to hear and communicate to her, with her. Um, but it's, it's quite an adventure, and um, when you, you take a chance, take a minute to look through and get a chance to sort of explore the history and the evolution, it's, it's fascinating. Her, her world spans from the earliest um, uh, forms of film, the earliest you know, early theater, uh, literature. She's, it's a pretty extraordinary uh, heritage that this character has. So um, she's been around for a while, actually longer than Mickey Mouse. But 
So that's why I think people can understand why she's so popular. I read the book, Peter Pan, that J.M. Barry wrote um, a couple years ago, and it's very sad because I don't think a lot of people know, but at the end, Wendy asks Peter when he comes back several years later, he says, she says, uh, where's Tinkerbell? And he says, who's that? And it just says that Tinkerbell may have gradually died. We don't know. But the great part about the new Tinkerbell movies is that we can explore her world and maybe before and after she met Peter Pan. Yeah, absolutely. It, you know, and that's the thing with, with J.M. Barry's writings. He he loved to change and explore and expand and try new things. He was continually experimenting with the play and the books. It took him a few years before he committed to writing the play down into any sort of final printed form. But even then beyond there, he was he was experimenting and exploring. He had created such an amazing world of very vivid characters that I think he would have really embraced this notion of exploring before Peter Pan, during Peter Pan, you know, parallel to Peter Pan, um, the, the other facets of Neverland and, and the world of Pixie Hollow, I, I think he would have gotten great joy out of horizons that have been discovered within the context of his really rich, vivid characters. Absolutely. Now, from chapter to chapter of Tinkerbell and Evolution, we see Tinkerbell's physical transformation over the course of several years in preparation for Walt Disney's film Peter Pan. So um, Mark Davis um, worked as head animator and designer of Tinkerbell herself. Now, unfortunately, he passed away in 2000. Um, but can you, you, you have some sections where you talk with his wife, Alice Davis. Can you tell me about your experience uh, speaking with her? Yes, absolutely. She's an extraordinary woman and a legend in her own right, a true artist. And she really um, certainly is the best voice we have today to speak to Mark and his work. And we're so lucky to have her. I feel personally blessed to have her in my life. She really has um, championed his work. And um, she was a tremendous source in terms of just insight into how his creative process, um, the challenges that this particular character presented for him. Um, you know, again, as you mentioned earlier, she doesn't speak. So emotion and um, context, and she has to communicate through her body, through her form. And he really it was cognizant of that, really very carefully um honed and defined her in such a way. There were other art, earlier artists that had brought Tinkerbell to a point, and he certainly um, took aspects of where they had gone with the character and incorporated them into the final form. But um, Alice was the first to say, too, that Mark always credited um, those that he worked with and the sources of inspiration that he got, but yet there was something so extraordinary about his skill, his draftsmanship, his his sensibility about the characters that he, uh, you know, created and animated that um, they really became his own work. And they're really a cut above uh, when you look and examine each individual drawing that he shaped and, and um, the use of her hair and her bangs to help to convey her emotion. Um, you know, tiny in form, but powerful in expression, I think. And, and that's really a tribute to Mark Davis. 
not only did you get to speak with Alice Davis, but you also got to speak with the model of Tinkerbell, Margaret Carey. And I had the pleasure of meeting her at Disney's 2013 D23 Expo this year. And she was just so warm to everyone that she met. But did you show her some of the archive photos of herself while she was posing as Tinkerbell? Sure. Yeah, she's very familiar with them. Um, And actually, um, there were actually three women, of course, who were the models for Tinkerbell. Um, And this, again, goes back to Mark. Uh, He he knew that there were, you know, different facets of this character. He designed her to be a little girl from the waist up and a woman from the waist down. So there was a face model for her, Jenny Mack, who was a, a... a lovely young gal who worked in the ink and paint department at the time who posed for various publicity pictures and would wear her hair up in a little bun and, and with side bangs. And then uh, Catherine Beaumont, who was the voice of Wendy uh, for Peter Pan and also the voice of Alice, was on contract at the time. And the directors and Mark knew that this character would have certainly little little childlike qualities because of her size and her impishness. So Kathy did quite a bit of uh, live-action modeling. And then to round it out completely, of course, then, yes, Margaret Carey came in and uh, sort of added the womanly qualities to these movements and and uh, some pixie-ish aspects as well. She's such a delight and a, such a fun figure to lady to speak with, and you can see some of the things that she brought to the character. But um, it, it was interesting to discover that there were actually three women, and once you see them, there are photos of them in the book, you can begin to understand that you know, she really is a very complex blend of many things, all beautifully handled in, in the hands of Mark Davis. So um, it was great fun to kind of unearth that and make that discovery. And it's wonderful that you spend most of that chapter saying uh, Tinkerbell, well, she's designed after three different women, um, but still designed to be her own person and not designed to be to look like Marilyn Monroe. That is the common misconception. And, mm-hmm. I, and I thought it was great that you pinpointed and said, nope, this is... This is who Tinkerbell is designed after. <laughs> Absolutely. It's funny how these myths get out there, but uh, Marilyn Monroe was just sort of a B actress. She really wouldn't have been on anyone's radar necessarily. It was uh, later that year of uh, 53 when Peter Pan came out that um, Marilyn really came on the scene. In fact, she was in a film, uh, Don't Bother to Knock, and she played a brunette in 1952. So... Um, she certainly had her form and figure, but there was no trace of any kind of reference to, from any of the research. You do see in the book, though, going back to earlier actresses of, of the um, late 30s where the story artists were getting ideas. Um, in 1939, there were three films that were you know, box office champs, and each with strong female roles in them, uh, with characters portraying very kind of um, gossipy, gadabout, trouble instigators. And uh, so the artists had looked to those female roles, and that sent them off into different directions, uh, creating Tinkerbell's a possible brunette or a little powder puff, a little Cupid doll powder puff. Um, but as a result of the war and the 1941 artist strike, unfortunately the film had to be shelved. But what's interesting is then coming back after the war and getting the film back into production, 
we see a whole new Tinkerbell taking form, again, Mark da- through the hands of Mark Davis. So, again, part of this amazing journey um, and the evolution of this, of this character. Now, since you put in so much research into Tinkerbell, I'm going to ask you three t- Tinkerbell questions, um, opinions about her world and um, about how she's involved in the Disney park. So the first one is there are specific types of fairies in Tinkerbell's world uh, in Pixie Hollow. For instance, Tinkerbell is considered a Tinker fairy. Now, out of all the types of um, fairies, which fairy do you think that you would be? <laughs> That's a very sweet question. Um, gosh, I guess I, I would probably find myself somewhere in the um, the fairy tale theater spinning stories, or I might be, oh, I don't know, maybe perched on a leaf somewhere. I'm also a musician, and I play the harp. So I think that would fit in really well with, with Pixie Hollow. So I may be perched on a leaf, um, plucking away and, and serenading everyone, soothing, soothing, soothing the world of Pixie Hollow, maybe. What part of Tinkerbell's world, and you can also include Neverland in this, would you most like to visit if you could actually be there and look around and see what's there? Wow. Um, another fun question. Gosh, I would, well, certainly I'd want to check out Tink's abode. Her little cottage would be great. Um, but I've always been fascinated with the element of pixie dust, and so I'd really love to check out um, Pixie does the, the tree, of course, at the center where the well is, but then where the, you know, where the pixie dust is, is cared for and, and processed and, and tended. I think that's pretty fascinating stuff. Certainly there's, you know, the fields of, of springtime and, and the winter woods have a mystery to them, but um, I think there's something pretty extraordinary about that pixie dust. So that's probably where I'd hang out. <laughs> Okay, now the last uh, Tinkerbell question for you. Now, you're going to have to take this with a grain of salt, but this is a really extravagant question. Um, <laughs> so Tinkerbell makes a grand entrance and exit at the Disney World parks uh, every night during the fireworks show. So she comes from the top of the castle and, and flies on down. Now, if you were given the chance and, and somebody came up to you and said, would you like to be Tinkerbell for a night and fly from Cinderella's castle on to Pixie Hollow, would you, uh, would you say yes or no? Absolutely. Are you kidding? That's the whole point. I would love to fly. You bet. I'm there. <laughs> I just get my scared. Going. <laughs> I just get scared of the heights. I'm like, oh my goodness, that is a that is a very high flight. <laughs> Tricky thing, absolutely. But I think this is where Barry intended uh, when he included the fact that it all it took was faith, trust, and pixie dust. So I think that's where he. Where he got all stumped from, but you bet I'd be right there. I'd, I'd love to give it a try. <laughs> <laughs> Very good point. Um, so uh, another question is: Would you consider also um, writing another book about another specific Disney character? Oh, absolutely! I, gosh, there are so many tremendous characters. I, I'd have to start to do some preliminary digging. Um, I have contributed, but you bet I would love to explore that. It, it really is to me, a fascinating journey to see the creative process and how, you know, the, the, the world events, as in the case of Tinkerbell, that helped to shape her, the, you know, the, the talent behind the scenes, um, the audiences and how they embraced her. It's an amazing journey. And believe me, when I first began, I had no idea it was going to be as amazing as it, as it has been. 
Um, but there are other characters, absolutely, that I think are extraordinary within the Disney canon, and many of them have origins in the great classic fairy tales, and yet some are created, memorable characters are created from the vibrant minds of some amazing, talented women and men. So um, I think there's a lot of tremendous characters to explore. Um, but I, I will say, too, I do uh, I have contributed to the forthcoming Mark Davis book, uh, which will be out next spring to Disney um, Publishing. And it's, it's a wonderful, rich volume of amazing work behind um, just the animation, certainly the Imagineering work, the fine art, um, the education content that Mark Davis contributed to the world. Um, I'm, I'm really humbled and honored to be part of this extraordinary treasure. There are some top top people um, contributing to this book, and that'll be out next spring. So that's a little hint of something on the horizon. Ooh, I'm excited. <laughs> that would be great. Mm-hmm. Well, I have three mm-hmm. more. I have three quick questions for you. These are fun Disney questions. They're called the Mickey, Goofy, and Donald question. So we'll start out with the Donald <laughs> question. So the Donald question is, as a child, what was your favorite Disney film to watch over and over again? Well, to be honest, it's Cinderella. <laughs> There's something magical about that. Yes, of course, Peter Pan. And it really, I fell in love with Tinkerbell watching the wonderful world of Disney on Sunday nights. And Peter Pan came then later, and I was delighted to find her origin. But um, it's, it's uh, of the animated films of Cinderella, but Mary Poppins has a very sweet spot in my heart as well. It's the first movie I ever saw. Wow. So. But it's a tough, yeah, it's a tough one between those two. But I'd have to say they both hold a special place. It's like trying to pick children, I think. You just can't choose one. And now our goofy question. Um, what Disney character, minus Tinkerbell, do you think would be your best friend if you met them in person? <laughs> wow. Um, hmm. My best friend. Aside from Tinkerbell. Well... Oh, gosh. That's a tough one. Um, i got to say, maybe I'd probably end up hanging out with either the fairy godmother, because there's something so magical about her, or, um, boy, that's a tough one. If I can't just think about that, that's a tough one. <laughs> I'd love to hang out with the Beast. I, you know, he intrigues me. Corella DeVille, I think, would be a bit of a crack-up, <laughs> just for quick. But, but you wouldn't want to, you know, just to spar with her a little bit. Um, but gosh, that's that's a tough one. Uh, there's so many terrific, amazing characters. I, can I give it some thought and get back to you? Absolutely. <laughs> get back to me in a book. How's that? <laughs> but, there you go. Sounds good. And then our Mickey Mouse question: uh, If I asked you to name any Disney song at this very moment, what immediately comes to your mind? Oh gosh, hmm. it's. It's it's a Sherman Brothers song, that's for sure. Um, it's Eat the Birds, a tender tender spot in my heart. Again, coming from Mary Poppins, as the very first film that I've seen that I saw as a young young child, and um, you can imagine the you know pinch me magic I still have when I, Richard is a very an amazing person. If you ever get the opportunity to hear him perform or meet him, do go out of your way to make that happen. I'm honored to call him a dear friend, and and um, the magic of the Sherman Brothers music is timeless. And uh, but Pete Sibert has a very special 
and and a spoonful of sugar. It's hard for me to choose just one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much, uh, Mindy, for coming on the show. Um, Listeners and readers out there, um, this is a must-have book. A huge fan of Tinkerbell and anything Peter Pan, Neverland, J.M. Barry. Um, So please check out Mindy Johnson's book, Tinkerbell and Evolution. And Mindy, I think we need to fly out with some pixie dust right now. So, oh, absolutely. <laughs> so let's pretend that we're flying out. <laughs>